Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you struggle feeling hard emotions or any emotions really? While women are stereotypically labeled as emotional, I can honestly say that most of the women I know, myself included, are far better at outrunning, outproducing, or even outnumbing their emotions than actually feeling them. This kind of repression carries consequences, ones we no longer need to bear. Instead, today we'll learn about why processing our emotions matter and how thinkers can get good at feeling their feelings. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. This month marks our five year anniversary. If About Progress has impacted your life for good in any way, would you do me the honor of sharing how in a podcast review? Your reviews are one of the easiest and yet most important ways you can support this show. Fun news, 
this month, your reviews automatically qualify you for a month long of giveaways I'm doing to celebrate our five year anniversary. More on that giveaway is coming later in the show, but for now, here's to you and here's to five years of about progress. Here's a short story about feeling, and this is one that Brad loves for some reason. But when I was an undergraduate in an English class, we were discussing a short story that we had read, and there was less than a minute left on the clock, and our professor asked, okay, so who can sum up the main message of this story? So I spoke up, and I said with a lot of conviction, to feel. And I was met with blank stares, and I realized that I had said that two-word phrase in my Utah accent. So instead, it was to fill. <laughs> so when I immediately corrected myself, I, I said, "I to feel, the whole room went, oh, to feel. My friends, <laughs> can I be honest with you? I stink at feeling. Not just saying the word, actually feeling feelings. The past two years, especially from March 2020 onward, I have been forced to reckon with this fact over and over again, as all my repressed emotions were wreaking havoc with most parts of my life. And, you know, the past little while, I really thought that I was working on it. I thought I was doing a better job on feeling. But that was until I conducted this interview with Jill Freestone that you're going to hear. And Jill cracked up a whole other level of what it means to actually process emotions and how cerebral women like me, like Jill was, and like many of you, can better access the power that awaits as we learn to do so. Jill is a certified life coach, which we know have incredible tools about mindset and thought work. But what I love especially about Jill is that she knows that only working on your thoughts won't work for many women. Yeah, your mindset, managing your thoughts, learning how to create your own thoughts are vital tools to our personal growth and our relationships. But if you've ever worked on this and you found yourself hitting a wall over and over, and maybe you've wondered, I'm just not good at this. Maybe fixing my thoughts isn't possible for me. Know this, it is possible. You're just missing an essential piece to this puzzle, emotions. Jill has helped so many people learn to deal better with their emotions so that they can also better access other tools they have to improve all areas of their lives. And as a professed thinker, emotion work did not come naturally to Jill at all. And that's exactly why I think she's the best teacher for us to learn this topic from. From Jill, you'll not only learn why emotion work matters and how to better create your own emotional toolbox, you'll also learn how to apply this in real time and in practical ways I know you can use right away, starting today. Jill Freestone, welcome to About Progress. Thank you, Monica. It's so good to finally have you on. You've been on my shortlist for forever. <laughs> and uh, you taught a masterclass for the Strive Hive last fall. That was so amazing. And it's one that helped me in incredible ways and my other Strive Hive members that I was hoping we could talk about some of the things you brought up there. You are an expert on how to deal with hard emotions, which you're like, oh man, 
wish I wasn't, but I wanted to hear a little bit of a setup on how you became an expert on hard emotions. Okay. So I was not always good at this, but I was really good at repressing. And so it it looks like I was good at managing my emotions. So many people think we are, if we are like happy all the time, right? Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I was good at, you know, perfectionism, overachievement, that kind of thing. But then of course that led to my health breaking down physically and mentally. And that led to some extensive mindfulness training that I did about 15 years ago that really helped me learn to get into the body and really connect with my mind, my body, everything that's going on. And that, you know, helped me create that space between stimulus and response and actually healed some of the chronic health problems or helped me to, to move forward with that. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was life-changing. I got to work with a really cool Buddhist teacher in person. That was amazing. And, you know, some like all day silent retreats and things, but. um, So, so with this, let me clarify. So you repress the emotions so much that your body manifested the stress. So you had to deal better with your emotions to help your body. Which is funny because I was going through all the chronic or the uh, specialists at the doctor and all the, you know, you go through every possible test to figure out what's wrong with me and they can't find anything. And so like I get to the top of the chain and every specialist with all these body problems I was having and they're just like, I don't know. Hmm. And so then I just came across this on my own and yeah, it was back down to acceptance and being with the body. So then I went into a lot of anxiety training because I was having nausea all day long and nobody even thought of anxiety, all the doctors I was going to, and even the therapists. But so then I I know anxiety was part of it. And I I had had postpartum depression. So a lot of anxiety training really learned how to work with anxiety instead of resist it. After several years with life coaching, I actually was able to find a deeper healing for myself because when you just try to change your thoughts about something and it wasn't working, then I found out that like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And I was so persistent to try and figure this out. And I was looking and anyway, I ended up finding that I had scrupulosity, OCD and sensory processing disorder. Mm -hmm. But the reason that happened is like, I found trauma from the past and, and also OCD requires a whole different kind of treatment than thought work, but it was because I got so good at all these other things and something just wasn't fixing. And so that's something else that I've found that if you're trying all these methods and it's not working, same thing with the the doctors I was going to, you know, there's always, there's somewhere else to look. Ooh. And this is exactly what I was going to bring up. It's hilarious (laughs) that we're like on the same brainwave here, but I was going to talk about how you and I have had so many discussions about what's the balance with thought work and other kind of work, whether that's emotion work or working with your body, like learning how to do more mindfulness and like, it's a balance and you are a life coach. So you have a lot of mindset tools and they are so vital, but there are many women who are listening to you right now, Jill, and they're thinking, so I'm not broken because I have these tools and they're not fixing me. Oh, that's going to be I relief, everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going to be a big moment for them. So yes, thoughts are so important. Let's talk about this emotion processing. Why is that a tool that people should be considering alongside all these others? Yeah. So kind of like when the medical work couldn't figure out my body and, and we needed to use body work, you know, like when mental thought processes and just trying to think your way through it isn't working. Let's look into the body again. 
And the part of the reason is that emotions are in the body. And so if we're trying to, we can't think our way out of a feeling, like feelings are in the body. So you can't solve a feeling problem with a thinking solution, especially if you think feelings are problems. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot to do with really believing feelings aren't problems and then realizing that feelings are in the body. And so like we talked about, like when you're flooded with a big emotion, your thinking in your, your thinking mind isn't even accessible. So that's part of the reason thought work isn't helpful in that moment. Okay. Like you can do all your thought work and then suddenly you're there and you're like, try to do thought work right now, but your thinking mind isn't accessible right there in that moment. So then we just tend to repress emotions that I was talking about. Then it explodes in bigger emotions. Like for example, I had a teen client that represses her emotions all the time and she got pulled over and then she cried for three hours and she came to me mm. like, what happened? And I was like, congratulations. <laughs> like you tapped into it. <laughs> you you like, had a good breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. So what we have to do is show the body, not tell the body that it's safe mm. to feel the feeling. And so that's when like understanding that the body speaks the somatic language, not the spoken language. So it requires us to actually connect with the body so that it can shift instead of just telling it to shift. What's somatic language? Anything that has to do with the body. So like it might be movement, swaying, tapping, breathing, getting the you know, five senses of getting present or, you know, any kind of motion that way. There's a bunch of tools and exercises we could talk about. Well, I, I feel like I'm just sitting here and my mind is being opened up to a whole new universe. Like I've, I've known for years and I thought I was working on this. <laughs> I thought I was working on better processing my emotions, but now I'm, I'm realizing there's a whole other level to this that I have not tapped into at all. And I think a lot of women listening are feeling the same. So can you describe just what it can look like to use somatic language, whether it's, you know, it's some kind of movement with your body to process a hard emotion, like maybe anxiety, since that was one that you've dealt with a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's some tools that people will think are hokey. Like some people think like tapping, you know, like the different, like some people think that's weird, but then there's other things that's just literally humming and swaying your body as if you were rocking yourself, like a mother rocking a baby. And even like holding your arms as if you have a child and, and you're reparenting yourself in that moment, because generally a big emotion, not always is when you got triggered when you were young and your body learned to then continue to react that same way when you felt unsafe as a child. So right in this moment, you take little three-year-old Jill or five-year-old Jill or eight-year-old Jill that was unsafe in that moment. And you bring her into your lap and you rock her and you love her. You stroke, you know, it's, it's rubbing your arms. It's rubbing your hands till they're warm and putting them on your cheek and this motion or on your eyes and this safety, this deep breathing, it's getting grounded in, in like, can I feel the chair under me? Can I feel the earth under me? You know, what is that sounding familiar? Absolutely. So someone who is dealing with anxious thoughts and they're trying to slow down that tape record going on in their mind and it's not working. Mm -hmm. This could be something they do like go to a quiet room and just 
rock back and forth a little bit or hug their body or. Well, and I do it right in the middle of any crazy place I am. Like, doesn't matter where I am. I'm just doing that. If I feel like I need more, then I'll go outside and, you know, and I'll even move my body really big and swing my arms over and I'll start pumping and running. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we, like, I help them create a toolbox of the things that they try and try and try and practice and see what works for you in the moment and what works for you on a daily, weekly basis that lowers the overall anxiety. But then there's the difference between overall and general and then in the moment. Okay, and we're actually going to be talking about that in pertaining to one thing that usually can bring up these hard emotions. But but first, I'm just thinking about with my last child, I have four kids. I'm just saying this for people who don't know. My first two were natural childbirths. My second was epidural. My last was natural. And I was like traumatized for my natural births. They weren't really on purpose, <laughs> although I thought <laughs> I wanted them. But then they were just so quick. I, and my, I'm in my head. I'm a head person. I'm cerebral. Like, yes. too, big time, big time. Yeah. Always it's been a big been a thinker. Hard process to learn for me. <laughs> I did hypno childbirthing, like in preparation uh-huh. for my first. And I literally like threw the, the headphones in my ear across the room because I was like, no, like I can't, you know, I, I couldn't do it. But with my fourth, I had worked a lot more with meditation leading yeah. up to it and mindfulness and I also got laughing gas, which helped me think less, even though the pain was just the same. And something weird happened, Jill. I was like dancing while I gave labor. I love it. I was rocking back and forth, back and forth. And and I was doing things I had not prepared. Like it was so strange. So the way you're describing it. Like you truly became connected to yourself. Yeah. And even my amazing OB who was like four foot 11, she's just like the tiniest human. She was just like, this is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> and I was like, me, oh, me too. <laughs> this is amazing. And it was such a different experience, but I, I maybe I'll even take this whole part out, but it's just helping me connect no, is, to one moment where I can say, I know what that means. You can slow really, down. Really beautiful that you really tapped in because really all anxiety is separation anxiety, which is separation from ourselves. And it's, it's like, <laughs> I love your face. The thought oh, my face is crazy right now. Like what? Like the thoughts purpose is to distract you from the discomfort or the pain in the body or to change it instead of accept it. So the solution is to connect with and be with the body. And so your anxiety is coming because you are not with yourself and the, the cerebral part that we're both so good at mm-hmm. that separates us from ourself and often our true self, our inner self, our inner wisdom, that sovereignty of who we really are and who we want to be because we're spending so much more time in the brain. So that's my strength that becomes a weakness for me when I'm spending too much time up here and I've had to learn to bring it down. And it started when I was three years old. Like I had a traumatic experience when I was three that taught me to use my brain, to keep myself safe, to keep my parents happy and everyone around me happy. And I learned to overfunction and be perfectionistic and, and just do what's right. Be a good girl. And we have those little moments and some, and that was just one little thing. But then later in my life, there were other moments that weren't big traumas. They were just like, you know, get fear of getting yelled at or being in trouble or not having a traumatic, you know, experience nursing, you know, with my first child and postpartum, like there's these little moments that are just little trauma, you know, little tiny things that because I'm a hypersensitive, hyperthinking person, 
become trauma to me and they get, and they stuck and I'm stuck back at those little ages, but taking younger Jill and reparenting her and taking those parts of myself and bringing them back into, into me and loving me instead of my parts are all separated. And I'm just up here trying to think my way through it because really I love how Jill Bolte Taylor says we are feeling creatures who think hmm. like we think of ourselves as thinking creatures that feel, but it's the opposite. And so it's just this connection to self and hmm. really honoring. Cause like as a young child, we tend to learn to separate from ourselves by not honoring what we really want and what feels right. And to just keep, because it feels unsafe to do that because the people around us kind of freak out. If we say no to our parents or if we refuse to do something, we get in trouble. So we just do what's right. And that separates us from ourself. And then we feel that anxiousness and this untrue, not being true to ourselves. Oh my goodness. You are seriously blowing my mind. And they're also helping me make sense of like my entire life <laughs> in these well, last few minutes. And this, this episode isn't even supposed to be about me. So I apologize, but I really, well, we do have a lot of common as we've found through the years. We, we have do a very, have many a lot in common and patterns of thought. Mm-hmm. But like as like if we're not allowed to be authentic, mm-hmm. we don't connect to our caregivers when we're young. And so then we give up authenticity to be connected and safe. Wow. Because we're trying but, to find it outside of ourselves. Yeah. So that's where the trauma comes. It's the disconnection from self. So that's wow. I don't know if you're familiar with Gabor Mate and his his trauma work, but that's just where it doesn't matter how hard the situation is. Like it could be something simple, like being told no, that becomes a a imprinted trauma for you. And so then this alarm in the body keeps freaking out and it prevents us from doing that. So, so yeah, it's just coming back to the nervous system and teaching and reparenting, helping it to feel safe is the first step. So like, that's why I was glad where I learned mindfulness first, but then it was through the years of gradually starting to put all the pieces together and have it actually make sense. And that's the thing is we all learn it when we're ready. Like you weren't ready for the hypnobirthing when you first tried it. No. And, and it's just <laughs> layer upon layer, right? And so nothing has gone wrong here, but that truly it's okay. When you're ready, you're ready. If you're feeling ready for more practical ways on how to work on this, that's next. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wow. Well, right now I feel ready. Like I want to know all the things that you know, and I'm sure everyone else does too, but let's start this out simply. I want people to imagine that you have a toolbox, like Jill said, and you're going to put in that toolbox different ways to connect with your body, 
like you said, to calm yourself down, but (laughs) I want them now to learn how to apply that in ways that are practical, because that might be the best way for them to start is to just start trying. One of our mottos here in in our community is to do something. So we are going to do something with what you taught us already today and apply it with things that come up for us often. And this might seem like a stretch for people, but it won't once you hear Jill talking about it, (laughs) because she and I have talked about this a lot behind the scenes and it's transitions. It's things like you're working on washing your dishes and a child comes in who's really angry and you have to task switch and emotion switch. It's things like another transition in your schedule, right? Any other examples of day-to-day transitions you can think up, Jill, so they can put themselves in that place. Even just one task to the next, you know, like maybe you're working and then you're at home or you're making dinner and then you get everyone in the car and go somewhere. Like it could be like physical location or even just being alone in the shower by yourself. And then you have to go face the kids outside the door. All kinds of transitions. And with those surprising emotions come up and we can tend to suppress them or just let them just go right to anxiety. Right. So what can they do to start practicing and trying out things in their toolbox with these day-to-day transitions? I would just give a quick analogy to get you in the the mindset. We had a flood. It was actually in the room. My daughter is out of the country right now. And so we didn't notice there was a slow leak coming through the ceiling. I know (laughs) we find out and that there was up in the attic, the, the heating system, they had fixed it. They said, but they didn't fix it well enough that it was, you know, everything soggy up there and it's finally leaking through. So the guy came when I called him to repair it and he went up inside and he said he fixed it. I asked him to take a picture of what he did and he just wanted to like paint over it. And it was already darkened. Like there was dark stuff, like it was getting moldy and stuff. And I was like, oh no, you can't just paint over that. Like there's mold up there. There's soggy insulation and wood. And and so this is what I want you to realize that, that (laughs) in our life, like in, in our human body, like our, there are things that are deeper that have, you know, either emotional wounds or just these emotions that are begging for attention. And these, they're just saying, Jill, Jill, like, will you listen? (laughs) And it's like that attic was like, trip, 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 you know? And sometimes it's a raging kid that's screaming at you, but to be able to just listen to that, instead of just think a different thought and move on, like that's just like painting, that's just like painting over it. Like let's get up in there. We had someone else come and dig the whole thing out and redo the ceiling and everything. But like, we know what to do when we're hungry, we feed our body and we don't think something's gone wrong. Like my stomach's hurting. I'm like, I'm shaking. Like, you know, like that's hunger. And so then we get to listen to this emotion and, oh, okay. I've been running too fast. Let me slow down and listen to this. So let the emotion be an instructor and let it truly help you figure out who you are and what's going on. Because when that happened, like I truly became sovereign, that I know myself and I act from inner wisdom. And that's the most beautiful moment to feel aligned from authenticity. You're not just repeating that thought work. So the practical side of that is that we're not allowing that to happen. So first is just be willing to pause, like the deep breath that you talk about, like like just stop and admit this is a transition. So one thing I teach people is like, before you walk through a doorway, just pause hmm. and assess, just scan down the body. Where am I at? It doesn't have to take very long, just a few seconds. So just hmm. literally, where am I at right now in my body? Oh, there's tension right here. Like I can, I can 
feel it in my throat. The heart is actually beating or there's this heaviness on my shoulders and just be with your body. Use some of the somatic tools. Just so you're starting with the body instead of with, I'm going to try and think positive thoughts about that crazy kid that's screaming on the other side of the door and make sure that I respond well. Like start with the feeling process where you're, you're already at. And then just ask yourself, are there any lingering thoughts that I'd like to deal with? Do I have time right now? Or do I want to write, write that down and deal with that later? Like I teach my anxiety clients about worry time and worry vacation and how you put it on a shelf, but you commit to come back to it. It's the same story. You're like, okay, you know, right now I'm hiding in the bathroom for a minute, but I got to go face that kid. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to set that aside and literally make a note about it. But right now I'm going to wait for this feeling to move through me. And when you practice it a lot, it can happen in 30 seconds. There's bigger ones that, you know, take longer, of course, but just like letting that, can you imagine just like letting your stomach like completely relax instead of holding it tight? Like you can do that in just a moment or letting your jaw just completely drop. Ah, oh. like just for a second. Now, what do I want to feel right now? Because I've let it process through, you know, curiosity and compassion is what, like my top go-to and just do that for a minute. But it's not like 24 seven, I'm completely in the moment with all my children. Like it's, that's not it. It's just for this next moment, I'm going to choose that. And then I get in there and suddenly they're reacting and I'm feeling triggered because like, I still haven't learned to manage my anger trigger. And so I was like, oh, okay. A child or teenager who's yelling at me or whatever, like, and, and I just start talking it out loud. And so I admit to them and I teach you how to, to process out loud. Like I am feeling angry right now. This is what I'm going to do. And you list your strategies that I call your emotion zone. Like you can do it right there in front of someone or you go somewhere else to be in your emotion zone. And like, wow, I even prepared myself, but that was a doozy. <laughs> you know yeah. what you just said to me, you know, I hate you, whatever. And I'm like, I'm feeling anger. And so then I drop into allowing that anger. Okay. It's normal for me to be angry when someone just says they hate me. I accept that. I allow myself to feel it. Does that, does that make sense? How you can do that? And it, that's a little transition of allowing, processing, clearing, being intentional, and then accepting in the moment when you get triggered and you can either stay with the person and, and do it, but you talk them through it. So my, my family's used to me saying like, I'm feeling this, this is what it feels like in my body. It's okay for me to feel this, or I'm crying right in front of them. Or I say, Hey, this is huge. I want to go in my room so I can rage and, you know, throw and hit, or I'm going to walk or run or something, but they know that I'm using tools, not, not that I'm perfect. They know that I'm processing and that's normal and natural. So then they can feel safe to do it too. So everything in the toolbox, its purpose is to help you process the emotion. In other words, to actually feel it. And for people like me and you and other thinkers, that is super scary and hard to do. It's almost like, how, you know, I just, you just, how you just choose to feel it. How do I choose to feel it? And so you're saying it's just those, those kind of things, moving your body, allowing yourself to rage. Yeah. Well, there's a thinking side of it, of letting yourself transform your relationship with the emotion that has to happen first. Because if you feel like it's bad to be angry, you're not going to let yourself flow with this. You're then going to go to shame and judgment and resistance or reacting in your anger and start raging at your kid instead of, oh, this is a normal sensation. Here I am feeling this. It's not a problem to feel this right now. That's interesting. You and I both have, my three values are the three C's too, curiosity, compassion, and courage, but man, practicing it on yourself is another level. And this is when I'm realizing that I can do, I can hang on to this. When I know hard emotion, what do I do? I go to curiosity 
and I'm just trying to get curious and drop into my body. And I'm going to drop in my body with one of these tools that I'm ready to try, whether it's moving or dancing or explaining it or opening my shoulders or deep breathing. There's so many different ways, which is, is I think really hopeful because that means you're going to find some ways that work for you. This is helping me understand why exercise has been so important for for me. Me too. You were doing it. You were actually processing and you're mm-hmm. providing that tool. Yeah. A good example is if you've seen a bird hit a window or a cat get hit by a car and they lay there and play dead for a while. And like mm-hmm. you think they're dead, but what they're doing is that's their trauma response to that just to go into freeze for a while. And then when they realize everything is safe and they're okay, then they'll like start to switch a little bit. And then they'll start to completely shake, you know, like an antelope will do this as well, like shake it out really hard. Then they stand up and kind of look around. And what they're doing is their brain is relearning that I've released all of this and I don't have to create a trauma response with this window or this car. I can say windows are okay and I can totally let it go. And so animals are way better at this than us that that we get up and just try to think and move on and, and we don't allow it to really shake it out. And like, so literally shaking your whole body. You know, I do that after calls a lot. Okay. This is also helping me see why playing the piano is really calming. Okay. Mm -hmm. Things like that, music, dancing, movement, shaking, jumping, like there's so many different ways I'm getting it. So I am thinking about a specific transition in the middle of the day. Let's say that you're, someone is picking up carpool and you're in that long line (laughs) and maybe you have a child that's really just not being very nice not being nice to you, not being nice to the siblings, just a general piece of work, you know, as soon as they get in the car and I'm pretending this is not me, but (laughs) that's, that's, this is an example. What would you do, Jill? How would you just help a person who is just learning this through it? Yeah. There's so many factors to go into this, you know, like what did you do for yourself that day? Because like Literally, if you hadn't connected yourself that day, I would give you a bypass because you wouldn't have the ability to, to access these tools. That's know? where like, fulfillment comes in, right? Which is a yeah. big part of what we do in this community, right? Like the, the self-care, like if you literally been running ragged, you know, for days and you hadn't slept and you hadn't been eating, like you don't have the accessibility to remember the tools. So okay. there's compassion for you as mothers. Like for me to tell you, do this in the moment and let it work. And you're, you're like, it's not working. Yeah. yeah, right, right. And so- Self-care for sure is first, but then in that moment, of course, curiosity and compassion, kid is freaking out. They're getting into a big emotion. So literally that's when I want to get in their space, you know, down on their level next to them, touch, physical touch. So use my body to connect with their body. If it's possible, sometimes that's not possible to like stop the car, but I have a lot of moms who are telling me like, I got out of the carpool lane. I pulled the car over on the freeway even. And I'm like realizing that the connection between me and my body and me and my kid and these emotions are more important than anything because that's what's tearing relationships apart. And that's what's tearing ourselves apart because we're not mm-hmm. connecting to ourselves and honoring ourselves. So that's where it's like valuing that most of all. And so like, okay, how can I respect this child first? And how can I respect myself? So first, like if I'm not in a place, like I may say and just give them something to satisfy them because I'm like, I'm not in a space. You're painting. Yeah. And so I've got to regulate me. So okay. can I turn on a song that maybe would regulate all of us? Can we all start literally dancing to the song in the car right now to help us all regulate together? Or 
can I get that kid to come sit on my lap and hug me? Like, can we all park the car and run laps around the car for a second? Like, what are the ways that we can connect? But first of all, it would be respect. Like, hey, kid, I see you right now. How can you see them? Like, this is really hard to be in this car right now. Can you remember what was before then for them? What's triggering them? Have you any idea? If you don't, just validate, validate, validate. Because if you just try to fix them, you are not seeing them. You're separating from them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's the biggest issue we work on. It's validating and making it safe to feel emotions instead of just like looking at the way they're manifesting their emotion and trying to fix that, like their whininess and their rudeness. Like it's always coming underneath it. It's like, it's like fixing the transition doesn't work if we're not coming down to this inner. So they're hurting and calling out in some way. Mm-hmm. So how can I connect and help them regulate without shaming them or just telling them they're bad, they need to fix it and stop it. So it's, it's yes. a bigger process yeah. than normal. Like it's easier to just say, you know, knock it off and give them a sucker or something like, but there are times when we need to do those things because we, we aren't in a place to help them or there literally isn't time. Like we've got to catch a plane or something like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that that's going to come up. And, and, and to me, I was thinking about what do I do as a mom to prepare myself for that upcoming shift? But I like that you went there with the kid because whatever you would do with that kid, you you could do with yourself. Right. And that's what I was saying too. Like, if I'm not regulated, can I turn on a song that would help all of us all in this car together? I love that you did that. So a thread I'm seeing in everything you've said today is that we want to spend more time connecting so we can spend less time reacting. A big part of hard emotions is you're just reacting. You're reacting to the circumstance, the transition, the shift, the change, the person, ah, the trauma. It's a separation from yourself again. Like we're continuing to do that. And so we're creating this and we're just reacting disconnects coming back in. Okay. And and to reconnect it's using these tool sets to work through your body, to feel, to feel in your body. I mean, so there's like several different tools I teach, like the mindfulness bench. I taught your group of uh-huh. how to like use something external, you know, or the waves of the ocean, like a visual. And like, so we work to find something for you that works, that you can imagine being in a setting that you can imagine a way to pause it, either it's a physical or an imagined thing. You imagine yourself just riding the wave. And so that's where my confidence comes in to just sit with it. This is the good kind of discomfort that we have to learn. It's the good kind of hard. There's something I do in my coaching program called the discomfort zone of being willing to stretch yourself into the discomfort that will help you move forward. And this to me is my, my next Everest. (laughs) This to me (laughs) is the next discomfort zone. I need to learn a lot more about. I have one question, one last question that is still just on my mind. And it's where do thoughts come in? I've heard you say this a few times of different parts where thought work can come in. You are a seasoned life coach. There are tools that help with this. Cognitive therapy saved my life. Like we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, no, right? No. So where does thought work come in to this kind of emotion work? Well, it kind of comes in at the beginning and then after. So like what I said before, for you to actually believe you aren't your thoughts, for you to have separation from that and to believe you can change your thoughts, that your thoughts don't control you. So that's at the beginning and starting to believe like you have personal separation between stimulus and response that you can choose. You have choice, right? Then we come back and find out what's going on in the body and work there for a long time and work with our thoughts about the body and our thoughts about the emotions. Hmm. And so then on a daily basis, when you you're, I mean, it takes a while to transform your relationship with emotions themselves and, and with your perceptions of them and your 
your willingness to be uncomfortable, like all we work through all of that. But then in like when you're calm is when is when you do the thought work, when you decide, like before I walk through a doorway, I'm using my brain and my thoughts. Like if I think this way, I know what's going to happen. And, and so you, you intentionally plan ahead and then you freak out and then you come back and reevaluate because when you're in that heightened state, you can't use cognitive work anyway. So come to the body, come back, and then you reevaluate later. So like when your kid is freaking out, it does no good to try and tell them what to do or rationalize with them. Right? Like you understand that concept. So that's where, when your kid is in that car that we described, the kid was acting horribly. It's regulation. You know, your self-regulation and co-regulation and then later reflect, you know, usually hours later, (laughs) you know, hey, in that car, what was going on with us? And that's where the thought work comes in and the processing, the communication, because that allows you to connect. So that's where it can come back. And again, it's the emotional you want to feel while you're using the thought work. So it's still for me always underneath. (laughs) It is. It's like, it's the root. It's root to all of it. And it's also makes sense. I keep saying that throughout this whole episode, but it's helping me understand why I could only work on my thoughts. Once I learned to calm my body, like when I was recovering from eating disorders, I remember having to like run to a bathroom during a panic attack and just try to breathe, Yes, you know, until I could then step in and then work on the thoughts. So, so much of this makes sense. Um, but so much of it is new. Where can people learn more through you? Because I feel like you know, it all. So where, where can they go to learn more from you? Well, I mean, like I work with people one-on-one right now. And so just my website, jillfreestone.com and I'm on Instagram, jillfreestonecoaching. I think, I think for like people to really believe like that it can work for them. Like I have a 60 year old man I've been working with for a long time and his anger was out of control and he didn't, couldn't tap into emotions and finally accessed it. And it's like, you know, feeling and crying and feeling tender and like little shifts like that, or like, like a little nine-year-old who's scared of dying and was willing to feel so uncomfortable on the phone call with me to face his fear, literally, and walk through the whole thing. And then to come back to me the next session, it's like, my fear went from a 10 to zero because I figured it all out and we talked it all through and I felt horrible. Then I realized I can handle it. So like just little things at a time, like like teenagers that are unwilling to feel uncomfortable and so they start self-harming or feel anxious and depressed all the time but they just don't know what to do with this sensation in their body that there is hope for that Hmm. and that's the stuff that life is made of i really think being able to move through these things jill thank you very much for being on the show you're welcome I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. I'm going to share the progress pointers from this episode, and this is where I give you the cliff notes of the episode. And if you want it in a cute graphic form, just sign up for our Go-Getter newsletter and you'll get it every Tuesday. Number one, we have many mindset tools to work on our personal growth and our relationships, but the missing piece of the puzzle is better processing emotions. This is the root of everything. Two, emotion work is where we can use the body to process our feelings, to let them move through us so that we can better harness the other tools we need. Three, there are so many ways to use your body to speak emotions, somatic language, create your own toolbox by trying out many options available to you. And four, 
To practice, start by paying attention to the hard emotions that come up with the daily transitions you face and how emotion work can help you navigate them from a place of alignment. Your do something challenge for this week is to try using your body to process an emotion. And as we shared in this episode, Jill had a lot of great ideas. It's kind of like whatever you want to try will work. Some options include swaying, jumping, opening your chest, opening your jaw, describing an emotion out loud, movement of any variety, sighing, tapping, running, dancing, breathing, the list goes on. So try something and then share about it. And when you do, use the hashtag do something challenge and make sure you tag me at about progress so that you can be in the running to share your progress here on the show as a progressor spotlight. I'm gonna share the spotlight for this week it's bean to bird on Instagram. That's her Instagram handle. And last week we talked about lowering the hurdles and I loved her insight on this topic. She said, quote, sometimes I get so focused on jumping the hurdle and then feel like a failure when I can't make it that I forget they're adjustable, unquote. I thought there was no better way to go with that analogy. You don't have to remove the hurdle. I share that in the episode, but I didn't think about that, how sometimes we just try to jump it instead of only lowering it. So great job there, bean to bird. I would love to feature more of your voices on the show. If you have a question for me, something you're struggling with, a scenario you're facing, please call into the show and let me help you. You can do that by going to aboutprogress.com slash call in, C-A-L-L-I-N. Before we go, don't forget to enter our big five giveaway. I have been doing my favorite things all month long, and in just a little bit of time, it's going to be the grand prize winner announcement, and it's so easy to enter. I want to thank you for listening, for making the show possible, and for helping me learn from you and alongside you. Now, go and do something with what you learned today. I am so eager for you to learn from Jill, not only how to. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.